Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, here's a topic uh, that we do very, very rarely. So I wanted to uh, bring it to the forefront. And it is homelessness. Not a big problem here, right? Matter of fact, I'm going to do two segments on homelessness. Uh, this one and the following one, different takes, different spins on homelessness and how to deal with homelessness. And this has to do with Venice, the Venice boardwalk. Now, if you go to Venice, and Venice is a really strange place. There's Muscle Beach. Uh, there, uh, the, uh, You've got the skateboards and uh, the kiosks. and uh, I mean, it's just a very unique place. Uh, and uh, add the tents, the homeless encampments, and that really makes it special, doesn't it? Uh, with the trash, and you can't do much about homelessness uh, because uh, the law is real simple. They are protected. Uh, actually, they become a protected class of people. So uh, Mike Bonin, L.A. City Councilman, uh, yesterday said, we're going to remove those homeless camps from the Venice boardwalk by early August. And what's he going to do? Well, he's going to clean them out uh, and... Housing and services will be offered starting Monday to relocate up to 200 people humanely without threats of arrest or incarceration. And now here's uh, the question. If someone is homeless and uh, you can't use threats or incarceration and they just don't want to move, how do they clean that up? You can't throw them in handcuffs. You can't throw them in paddy wagons or throw them in the back of police cars. Uh, He went on to say the situation is intolerable and we must end it. All right, fair enough. Nobody deserves to live or die on the street. And at the same time, all Angelinos should be able to enjoy our neighborhoods, beaches, and parks, and we can do better. Uh, Here's the problem. How? How? And here we're talking 200 people, 200 along the Venice Boardwalk. How many homeless are there in L.A. County? I think the number is 60,000, something absolutely astronomical. So they're going to find housing. And if you ask Bonin, where's the housing going to be? I don't know. But we're looking at options, including Project Home Key, hotels purchased by the city, or county for homeless housing, as well as shared housing and permanent housing vouchers. I mean, the reality is, as I'm ripping into them, uh, they're trying everything to make this happen. The problem is, whatever program is involved is a drop in the bucket. And as money has been poured into these uh, programs, and they have, Homelessness just increases. 
and it just gets bigger and bigger. And does that mean more money is spent? Well, with more money being spent, uh, the homeless population increases even more. Now, this is a pilot program to try to get these 200 people off. But how about the tens of thousands of people? You have uh, parks all over the city. Uh, Matter of fact, all over the county. Matter of fact, all over Southern California. And what do you do? People have an absolute right to be homeless. It used to be uh, that they'd come in and go, you're leaving. And if you don't leave, we're going to put you in handcuffs and clean it out. You can't do that anymore. Now, I don't know if that's even the answer because that's not particularly humane. So many people on the streets are mentally ill. The one person that I know who lived on the street, in fact, Marjorie, that's where I met her. Uh, Handle. Okay, maybe not. Uh, It was someone who was my brother's, uh, and I've been talking about this many times, my brother's fiance, that uh, Marjorie did find her on the street. And and she had no place to go. There were no programs available, lived on the street. And finally, we found her some kind of Section 8 housing, I mean, with an enormous amount of homework. People don't have that. There There aren't ombudspersons. That can help. Incidentally, once the Venice boardwalk is cleaned out and housing is found, the Bureau of Sanitation comes in and cleans each area. And uh, have you ever seen uh, a homeless encampment being cleaned out? They bring in the huge tractor trailers because no one's going to touch this stuff. And they put them in big bins. Matter of fact, it's astounding how much garbage a couple of hundred people can generate. I mean, it's just, I just shake my head and go, how is that possible? Well, so here's a program, Venice Sidewalk, and uh, 200 people. And then they go on to all the other encampments. You drive along the freeway. And every place there is uh, a a dip and uh, you see trees in an area that uh, is below the level of freeway, it's full of homeless people. It's another camp. And then do you put porta-potties there, which are used for all manner of things? And at what level does it become a homeless encampment? Two, two tents? Six tents? Ten tenths. I mean, and it's it's crazy how fast they can grow. Yeah. Actually, they've all become uh, REI showrooms. All you have to do is uh, go down the street. Okay, we're done. I want to move back to uh, Los Angeles and the homeless. I want to take a different spin on this. Uh, at one point, Los Angeles was considered one of the front runners in dealing with residential zoning. It was just a great place to live. 50 years ago, uh, it was um, it was a good place to live, zoning, homeless, et cetera. But uh, over the years, as homelessness, as homelessness started creeping up, uh, then we had more density, and density 
came to be equated with urban decline, white residents resorted to redlining racially restrictive practices to keep out black people as much as possible, keep out immigrants, uh, keep out those who didn't look like uh, us. And uh, so here we are with this huge problem going on. Uh, Actually, today, the region has the fewest homes per capita of any metro area in the country. More than 75% of the land uh, in the city, residential land, uh, is zoned for single-family housing. And therein lies one of the answers. And that is, you take a single-family home with a good-sized yard, and you simply rezone it. And you're able to put uh, a duplex, a quad, uh, a quadplex on it, or a sixplex. Now, is that going to happen? Oh, there's going to be a fight. That's for sure. I mean, a huge fight. But what else do you do? Because all of these answers become incremental. And the design of the home for the homeless. And not only do you put additional housing, they've already passed the law that uh, if you have a home, you could put a granny flat on it. So all of a sudden, another family can move in, uh, make, made it much easier in terms of permitting and rushing through the process. And it's going to take a good long time. Except the fight is going to be in the neighborhoods where you have single-family dwellings where you paid a premium to live in a decent piece of land and put a single home on there. Because the argument is going to be, if all of a sudden next door, uh, you've got four or six units on effectively the same amount of land as yours, the argument is going to be, neighborhood's gone to hell. And what are you doing to me? And do, would I move into that area? Probably not. I mean, I like my house on my lot. But the changing has to, the, the thinking has to change. Because the homeless housing is getting just far worse. And here we're not even talking about the homeless problem. We're talking about the number of people that have come and are coming into Los Angeles. With the cost of housing, people are still coming in. Figure that one out. People are coming in unable to afford living here. How do you do that? Explain that to me. You've got a family that's moving from insert name of city or state here, uh, and they come out and they you got a small family, and it's like a two you look for a two bedroom, one bath house that would cost you eight hundred dollars a month in Topeka. And all of a sudden, that same house is $4,800, $5,500. I don't even know what you do with that. So one of the answers, and as I said, it's going to be a multitude of answers. There's no silver bullet here. And one of the answers is multiple dwellings, increased density, uh, oh, and a quick word about, and I don't know if we have much time, And a quick word about segregation. Is there segregation? Hell yes. 
So what's the difference between segregation now and segregation then? Well, segregation then was mandatory. Segregation now is voluntary. You go to Beverly Hills, it's 100% Persian Jews. You go to Glendale, uh, it's all Armenians. And then you have cities like Detroit, uh, which are overwhelmingly black. Do they choose to be in those areas? Yeah, because people are, we're a herd mentality. We like to be around uh, people who are like us. Uh, Where I used to live in Hancock Park adjacent, it's a bunch of ultra-Orthodox Jews. With a honey-baked ham store uh, on the corner. Ooh, that's that I, controversy. Uh, yeah, I used to bring home uh, my ham in one of those honey-baked ham store uh, from a honey-baked ham store, swing it over my head. Like skip down the street? Oh, yeah. Like, look yeah, what yeah. I got. Yeah, I absolutely. It was oh, very funny. Uh, it was very funny. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This time around, uh, the governments, the state, counties, municipalities, have more money than they know what to do with. And... One of the programs in which they have, well, relative to this story, is too much money. And how is that possible? Well, uh, California school districts have received uh, an unprecedented windfall for teaching, for setting up various programs, bringing the schoolroom back to pre pandemic, uh, the circumstances pre-pandemic environment. And we're talking billions of dollars, of state and federal dollars, uh, to spend on programs to help students catch up on learning they lost. And we've talked about the learning they lost, which is astronomical. Big argument as to repeating the school year, which I'm in favor of. But the problem is even worse than that. And that is, even though there's money to pay for all this, there aren't teachers to accept the money. CalSTARS, the California State Teachers Retirement System, reported a 26% increase in the number of teacher requirements. Teachers are leaving like crazy. Now, there's always been a shortage of STEM teachers. Science, technology, 
engineering. Well, I wouldn't be engineering in uh, grade school, but science teachers, uh, English as a second language teachers spoke Spanish, special needs teachers. There was always a shortage of those. Now the shortage is so acute that the money that is sitting in bank accounts can't be spent. The school districts don't know what to do. And you know what the answer is going to be? I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to return the money. They have no choice. And you have school superintendents and school boards shaking their heads going, what can we do? We've got to add math teachers. We have to add reading teachers. Uh, LA Unified, for example, uh, has $70 million a year or so just for hiring Fewer than 200 people are currently graduating each year from university programs. If LA Unified took all of those programs or took all of those graduates, there still wouldn't be enough. Uh, Long Beach Unified superintendent said, we're all competing for this smaller and smaller pool of highly qualified candidates. Long Beach usually uh, educates 70,000 students at 85 schools, usually hires uh, between 130 and 140 teachers each year. Uh, each year. Uh, this year, it hopes to add 160 more, but the number of teachers that are leaving is far greater. So uh, the fallout from this pandemic, we don't even know what the fallout's going to be. And I talked about that a dozen times, that it is going to take us a while to figure out what is the fallout of COVID, not just medically, because we're just starting to find out long-term medical issues. For you crazy people, it's the long-term medical issues regarding the vaccine itself. Uh, For those that are rational, uh, it's the long-term fallout from COVID. And one of them is a shortage of teachers. They're just not interested. Well, teachers were falling by the wayside anyway. It truly is a horrible job. I remember as a kid, you know, I, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Borelli, who was just terrific. Today, Mrs. Borelli, well, first of all, she's probably dead, but she was no youngster there. But if she were, I I have doubts whether she would even teach. And this is a woman who loved teaching. I used to be in uh, Cub Scouts. And I would lead the Pledge of Allegiance every day until a lawsuit hit saying, uh, you can't do that. You leading the Pledge of Allegiance or the lawsuit? Uh, both. I mean, or the no, no lawsuit hit. I could no longer. Uh... But you specifically, or the pledge? No, I led the pledge. No, but I'm saying, did they sue you, or they oh, just no, said no, no, no? You can't do the pledge. I mean, come on, how many eight year olds get sued? You? That's true. Okay. One of the things about L.A. and it has um, the reputation of being the worst uh, major airport, basically in the world, uh, modern airports. Uh now. Uh, you can't get to the airport using a rail system where you can virtually every place else. 
And keep in mind, traffic congestion has worsened. Uh, L.A. County has spent billions to push rail lines into Azusa, East L.A., Santa Monica, Redondo Beach, but not into LAX. Man, how is that for thinking? If you ever happen to go to London, you can take an express from Victoria Station, which is sort of in the heart of London, and travel 30 miles out to the airport uh, in a matter of half an hour. That's how you run a city that has an airport. How about us? Oh, no, 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 no. We have that horseshoe business uh, that you have to go around and around and around, and there's never parking, and you have to double park, and it just makes no sense at all. And they've broken ground. Uh, They now have a $900 million airport metro connector, which they say will be ready by 2024. Who are we kidding? Uh, And it's part of a people mover system being built at LAX. And they're trying to get it up and running for the 2028 Olympics. Uh, The airport itself was built for the 1984 Olympics, and from minute win, it didn't work. Now, what the experts are seeing is that with that, all of a sudden, uh, the airport and the transport to the airport and the bus center, et cetera, will actually make uh, Los Angeles a world-class mass transit system, at least to get to the airport. And right now, there are rail projects under construction, including a subway to Santa Monica, through downtown L.A., new lines in the southwest L.A., San Gabriel Valley. Notice how slow it is to build these stations. They open up every four or five years because it's just insanely expensive to build a subway system. We actually had, uh, going back to the 50s or before, one of the best light rail systems of any city in uh, the country, the red line, where it literally was these cars, trolley cars that took you all over the city. They were cheap, they worked beautifully, and they disappeared. Why? The oil companies. Damn it, we want you to drive. Well, we became a driving community. And we got rid of a great light rail system. So now we have to go back. Except the cost is going to be astronomical. And we're going to try to make it happen. Oh, it has to happen. The question is, is it going to be a boondoggle like uh, the bullet train? Which is never going to be finished, never going to be built. Uh, Incidentally, by the time it is say, three-quarters finished, where they actually give up or halfway finished. The amount of money spent will be so astronomical, it could pay for LAX three times over and put in rail systems, uh, underground subways from every place in Southern California. But for the first time, uh, you've got L.A. County is saying, okay, let's take this seriously. We'll see if they do. 
mean, we've had program after program, and nothing ever comes of it. Uh, visiting the border or looking at news uh, footage of uh, the border, the U.S.-Mexican border, uh, the number of people trying to cross has, of course, exploded. And a, a whole number of reasons. I think the big one is uh, that President Trump was known as being very anti-immigrant. Excuse me. And uh, made it as difficult as possible for immigrants to come in and claim asylum uh, and come in for other reasons. And Joe Biden is exactly the opposite. He is and he's historically been in favor of immigrants, particularly those that are claiming asylum. He's very sensitive to what's going on in the rest of the world. And so the Trump era remain in Mexico policy where someone is claiming asylum, is kept in Mexico, and hearings took place in Mexico, and of course they were all denied, uh, that's done. And a lot of those, we're talking about thousands that were closed. Immigration officers just closed them down. We're finished, we had our hearing, it's over. Well, those folks are going to get a second chance. And it's going to happen in the United States. And it's going to be catch and release. Someone claiming asylum and has what is perceived to be at least a plausible case will be let go and given a court date to come back in front of an immigration judge to see if an asylum claim is valid. Now to give you some numbers. About 15% of those seeking asylum actually are granted asylum. And you hear that the number of people that are given court dates, which can range years down the line because there's such a backlog. uh, And we've heard, oh my God, a tiny little percentage actually come back. It's about 50%. And you can look at it both ways. 50% is a lot of people. Uh, But relative to the argument that only a tiny, tiny percentage come back, uh, 50%. And when crossing the border, there really is no downside. There are people that cross the border, are caught immediately, and just driven back. And on the way back, they'll say, I'm going to try it again. And there are people that have tried it half a dozen times, and they keep on going. And we still have the issue of unaccompanied minors. And out of that comes uh, some heartbreaking stories. Because uh, under the Biden administration, unaccompanied minors automatically are going to be taken care of by the United States. And then sponsors are trying to be found, and they are here. You've got these gut-wrenching stories of parents who have brought their kids up from Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, that actually leave their kids at the border. And they point to the border and say, you walk over there. And in many cases, uh, they're not going to see their child again for years and years. It's a tough decision to make. 
But it's a question of opportunity, financial opportunity, question of being far safer than it is in El Salvador. So it has changed. Remain in Mexico is done. There is a study that has just been released uh, by an organization called uh, Othering and Belonging Institute. Uh, It's actually a a think tank which studies the roots of social and economic inequality in the United States. I'm assuming it's pretty left wing. And it just came out and it says that more than 80% of large metropolitan areas in the U.S., were actually more segregated in 2019 than they were in 1990. And this is while the USB has become far more diverse. And diversity is now at the forefront of uh, the way we're dealing with business, the way we're dealing with society. Now, uh, metropolitan areas aren't all white, all black, or all Latino, but within those areas, within the city. So we talk about Los Angeles, for example, uh, and it's something that, for those of us that live in L.A., you talk about L.A. as a city, oh, we're so diverse. And we are. We have uh, blacks, we have Latinos, we have uh, Vietnamese, we have Cambodians and Japanese I mean, you know, Westminster, it's all Vietnamese. So uh, there is plenty of diversity within uh, L.A. City and L.A. County. The problem is, is you look at the racial makeup within those cities. And areas that appear to be integrated on the big picture, because they're home to a bunch of different racial groups like ours, In fact, those groups live completely apart. They may not, they might as well not be in the same city. Now, for example, you have the city of uh, Detroit. The city itself, 80% black. Then you have Gross Point, which is part of that uh, greater Detroit area, uh, a suburb, and that's 90% white. Detroit is the most segregated city in the United States. Yep. So why is that? Well, a bunch of reasons. Some of them make sense. Some of them no one understands. And the pandemic underscored some of the consequences of the segregation. Uh, Black Americans living in cities like Detroit and Chicago, huge uh, number of uh, blacks and uh, uh, African-Americans, died at a higher rate than any other group. And even before the pandemic, research showed that the neighborhood where kids grow up shapes up how likely they're going to go to college, how likely they're going to make more money than their parents. It determines access to medical care, good schools. We have segregation. And then the study goes on to say integration is actually good for everybody. Children who grow up in multiracial surroundings are less anxious about racial differences. That makes sense because your neighbor is black or white or your neighbor is uh, Latino. So what does it matter? Kids in uh, integrated neighborhoods are more empathetic. 
white people who grew up in highly segregated communities of color of lower incomes than uh, white people uh, in highly segregated white neighborhoods. And then it goes on and on as to uh, how unfair it is. But here is the difference. And uh, I don't know how you get around this. I truly don't. And that is uh, up till, well, 1954 was, of course, the landmark case, uh, Brown versus Board of Education, that integrated schools all over the United States. Segregation was illegal in schools. And out of that came all of the civil rights cases in which uh, segregation was deemed illegal. And, but that was voluntary. That was involuntary segregation. The Jim Crow laws, the redlining. You can't live in that neighborhood. Today, it's voluntary. Now, yeah, I live in a, a neighborhood that is, uh, I think it's all white. Because I don't know any of my neighbors. I don't keep track of any of my neighbors. Now, would it matter if uh, an African-American moved in? No, of course not. Would it matter if a Latino moved in? Uh, of course not. How come they don't? Because it's a white neighborhood. And it just so happens uh, it's primarily Jewish, to my utter chagrin. Let me tell you something. That's a rough neighborhood to live in. But you have black communities uh, where, you know, are people forced to live there? Sometimes socioeconomic areas you are, but, you know, I've always pointed out Arme- uh, little Armenia in Glendale. Yeah, what, anybody forces uh, those folks to live together? Of course not. And you've got uh, little Vietnam and Westminster. Anybody forcing them to live there? No, it's totally voluntary. Yet it is still segregated. And what is put together is uh, voluntary segregation somehow is connected to involuntary segregation. Incidentally, even voluntary segregation, according to the studies, are not particularly healthy for you. It's not nearly as good as a totally diverse population. But how many totally diverse populations are there out there? I've never lived in one. So does that make me? I was about to use the word racist, but I'm not going to. Um, But where do you go with that? And when you say that uh, integration is good, segregation is bad, what do you do about people who make that choice? And say, we need more diversity. Okay, do you force the issue? You, out of Glendale. You know, we're going to limit the number of people that are here. Go to Beverly Hills. Used to be old white money. It's all Iranian Jews. There are more white columns and uh, carpets and chandeliers per capita than any other place in the country. I don't know if you've ever been in an Iranian house. Therein lies a story about the Persian palace. Oh. Did I ever tell you why it's the Persian palace? 
I don't think so. Okay. Here's the reason I call it the Persian Palace. When my kids went to school, religious day school, Jewish day school, obviously, uh, all of their friends were Iranian. They just happened to fall into the group of Iranians, and uh, so we would hang out with Iranian parents. Okay. And we would go to their houses. And Iranian houses, all marble, uh, all gold. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just so, just like over the top. It's, uh, you know, it, it it would look like a high end whorehouse is what all those houses look like. Okay. And uh, so it was. Uh, so the only thing we did when we built the Persian Palace, which is basically understated, we called it a Persian Palace just as a yutz to our Persian friends. That's the Persian Palace. Are they still your friends? Yeah, they are, actually. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dr. Jim Keeney, uh, co-director of the ER at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. Uh, Jim, good morning. Good morning, Bill. All right. Uh, the COVID vaccine. No, let's go first before we go to the vaccine and uh, talk about the Delta variant. Uh, how dangerous? How quickly is it going to spread? Are you concerned? So um, not any more concerned than I have been about COVID in general, and uh, it's, it is going to spread more quickly. It definitely seems to be uh, much more contagious. Uh, it does seem to make people slightly sicker, but uh, it's still, the vaccine still works for it, uh, you know, and so I think and previous infection seems to offer protection. So I think all the people that have had COVID or that have been vaccinated against COVID are in good shape. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's still COVID still circulating. It's almost these variants are almost not They really shouldn't even be news until they, we hit a variant that, that the vaccine doesn't cover or that previous infection doesn't protect you from it. At that point, that's going to be big news. And we haven't seen that yet. You know, one of the things, uh, I mean, I tend to agree with you uh, that the science tells us that, again, if you have the vaccine, you're probably protected against the not only the original COVID strain, but also the uh, various uh, variants. How about the people that aren't vaccinated? Uh, how much more quickly is that going to go through that population? Yeah, so it'll, I mean, similarly to COVID uh, that we've been seeing so far, it's going to go through that population pretty easily and, and rapidly if they're exposed. But as we approach, you know, a lot of states now approaching that herd immunity level, I, I, would, I would guess, and again, this is like just a guess because we know that we've had a high percentage of vaccination in California. And then when you add the people that have actually had COVID, I, I'm thinking that we're pretty darn close to herd immunity and we should be shutting this thing off pretty soon in California. But then there's other states with a 30% vaccination rate and they're probably nowhere near herd immunity. And in those states, we prob that's probably where we will see the, uh, the Delta variant. Um, there are, of course, this is, you know, it, the, the rules are always broken. So there's places like Washington with high uh, rates of vaccination, but yet they still seem to see some circulating COVID. And there's places like Tennessee with lo very low rates of vaccination, but right now also relatively low rates of COVID circulation. Any way to explain that? No, I mean, this is like explaining a pile of tinder in your backyard that hasn't caught fire yet, and everybody's telling you you're at high risk, you're at high fire risk. Uh, that's still true. It just hasn't caught fire yet. 
So uh, in terms of people who have not been vaccinated, I, I'm assuming that when some goes in, someone comes into the ER, you ask, don't you, have you been vaccinated? Or is that something that's off the table? No, definitely. We, we ask everyone, have you had COVID? That's the first question. Uh, because if you had in the last 90 days, we don't even test because the test is going to be falsely positive. So first question before we do any testing is, have you had COVID? Uh, and then a second question is, have you been vaccinated? And, and those really, we are taking that as you're basically 100% protected, near 100%. You, you know, theoretically could get COVID, but it's extremely unlikely. It's not something we're seeing. Right. You know, there's the case reports here and there. And the fact that their case reports tell you that it basically never happens. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any reason to report the case. Right. So uh, when you ask uh, someone, uh, have you had COVID? Uh, and the answer is no. Uh, uh-huh. And then have you been vaccinated? And the answer is no. Uh, uh-huh. do, you, do you actually write the word schmuck across the chart? <laughs> I, I could tell you were going there from the very beginning. You know, I mean, we take care of all kinds. We take care of all people, and people have a right to make their own medical decisions. I mean, I believe that. Um, yeah, do I think that's not the smart move? I do. I, I think that is not the smartest way to go. But there are individual people where that maybe is the smart move. You know, they're, they're immunocompromised, and oh, the yeah. doctors have told them that they can't take the vaccine. There's a lot of reasons for people to not have the vaccine. No, and that's that legitimate. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's legitimate. It's, uh, you know, the religious, which I have no idea where, where the religion is that you can't get a vaccine. I'd love to find that religion out. Uh, and then the no government is going to tell me uh, what uh, I can or cannot do. Uh, yeah. I, I love that one. Uh, do you ever ask them when they say no, do you ever wear your seatbelt or you not, do you not? <laughs> no, because that's kind of uh, snarky and I try to avoid that. Uh, no, you're not, you know, Jim, you're not snarky enough. You know, if I had to talk about uh, one real negative about you, and that is you're not snarky enough. The uh, vaccine for kids under 12 years of age. Uh, when do you think it's going to happen and how important do you think that is? So I don't, I don't think it's a huge you know, the priority bottom line is that, I mean, it's, it's something that, that we should be working on. And that's ultimately, I, I think that it will be a vaccine available for kids under 12. But we, we just don't see enough pathology in that group, like serious complications. There's those occasional uh, really bad outcomes, obviously. And there are kids that have died from COVID, but they're extremely rare. I mean, extremely rare. So, um, you know, whenever we're if, if we have somebody who's sick and the FDA needs to approve a treatment to fix them because they're sick, they have one threshold. If you have somebody who's not even sick yet and has a very low risk of getting sick, the threshold to pass that vaccine is going to be super high. I mean, they're going to need to see a lot of really good data before they're even going to consider it. And, and I think that's appropriate. All right. Uh, one other co- uh, question, uh, and that is. Uh, Jennifer Jones Lee just came in uh, with a story uh, about uh, that Botox and uh, the uh, and the vaccine, uh, that there may be some reaction to Botox. And she came in here and she looked like she was practicing to be a ventriloquist. <laughs> well, I went to I will be very honest. I went to my Botox doc uh, a couple of weeks ago. And before I got uh, my fillers and all that kind of stuff, he said to me, hey, have you had the vaccine? 
And I said, well, yeah, but what does that matter? And he said, oh, he said, because we don't usually do the fillers or Botox close to the time when somebody's just gotten the vaccine because there's an increased chance of swelling. Have you heard that? And in fact, the story I gave Handel, there were a couple of dermatologists who said they had patients who were thinking about not getting the vaccine so they could make sure they still got their fillers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I have heard, okay, so Botox and fillers are two different things, right? right? So right. Botox is the thing that paralyzes your muscles and the fillers actually, you know, fill in and uh, wrinkles and things like that. But, um, yeah, I haven't heard this for Botox, but definitely for fillers, fillers there seems right. to be some crossover and people are having reactions where they get all inflamed. And even if they've had the fillers a while ago and all of a sudden get the vaccine, some some of those areas where the fillers are are getting super inflamed. So, yeah, it's funny that people are, okay, here's my priority. I can either prevent against a global pandemic and get my vaccine, or I can look good. And, of course, I'm going to want to look good first. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, by the way, that's assuming that you're going to look good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, at least the corpse will look good. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, people have had uh, Botox uh, come in and go, oh, boy, no, don't I look better? No. <laughs> no. You, you just constantly look I'm, scared. I'm sure Jennifer looks better. After thank this, thank sure. you very much. Thank yeah. you. I and, hope so. Yeah. And Jim, you can't tell because this is radio. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it all works out. Have you seen uh, any uh, serious complication, uh, any kind of reaction from uh, any of these vaccines? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've seen immediate. I mean, so there's, I, we really, in vaccines in general, you do not see delayed complications from vaccines, you know, months or years later. It's always, almost always immediate, if not soon after. So I have seen where, like, uh, the injection had been given a high. I think it probably went into the shoulder joint itself in one individual, and they pass out. So if you get a high injection, it's in, it, and it's real close to the joint, People are passing out left and right when that happens. So as long as it, it's given in the right location, that doesn't yeah. seem to be a problem. And so how do you how do you treat someone that reacts immediately to the vaccine? Well, and so the other common one is an allergic type reaction, and so we treat those just like any other allergic reaction, and they've all done fine. Uh, and then the the people passing out, we treat them like anybody else who has a you know, like you get a shot and you pass out, and they all do fine as well. Okay, you know. Uh... What I like about you, you never want to get too excited. Jim, I'd rather have end-of-the-world stuff with you. You know that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I know. It really sells better. I wish I could for you, but, you know. Well, you could. <laughs> All right, Jim, have have a good one. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.